Riding alone, town after town, tone after tone. This is the Lurie Law Podcast. With you, as always, is me. (laughs) Together with my indefatigable, effervescent, and ebullient, R.A. David. Ebullient. That sounds like I use (laughs) uh, a shampoo with balsam and emollients. It is true. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happens here. And I think you should come clean on that issue. As I do. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I have so much fun uh, talking about uh, things that you, you know, the ironies of life, right? Uh, you were talking to me just before this about, ironically, how you were parking. Are you wearing bicycle cufflinks? I am. It's so wrong. This is a podcast that nobody <laughs> needs to know that. <laughs> I said Ixnay on the bicycle. Uh, it's like that scene public. in The Matrix where he sees the white rabbit tattoo on the girl's back and goes, oh, I'd better go down the hallway with them. Right. Exactly. You, right. You know, Somehow after connects. the story I just told you. <laughs> well, you were telling me the story about how you were trying to avoid a ticket, parking ticket, by going down to the parking lot, and because of the time restrictions, you decided you had to move your car. Well, I was trying to feed the meter. So I'm trying know? to feed the meter. And by, by in the process of, of going to a different place, you ended up parking in a no-stopping zone, not a tow-way zone, but a no-stopping zone, and got a ticket that would be a much higher amount, that was a higher amount. A truly confiscatory amount yes, for a parking $100 ticket. versus the $60 you would otherwise I get. I mean, plunder. Yeah. <laughs> Just plunder. Just a, a pirate coming up and... You know, and that's what we call irony. Uh, in in your effort to avoid that parking ticket, you got a ticket uh, and uh, a ticket in a much larger amount. And then, you know, the, the things that people expect um, you to believe. Um, not that I don't believe what you said. I'm, I'm simply saying, like the odd things that people will say. And um, like you were telling me about that woman who was running. The stop sign, but nevertheless, in her, in her bicycle, while nevertheless giving the appropriate and correct hand signals for a left turn. For a left turn. turn. Uh, so she thinks in her mind that she's doing everything right because as long as she does that, that somehow immunizes her from doing anything else. That's like uh, Bernie Madoff, uh, you know, following all the regulations, but of course scheming to steal so much. He didn't scheme; he stole. And, you know, he it, schemed, and he, and he did steal. Yeah. Uh, millions and billions he of dollars. He executed the scheme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he d- he followed the regulations. Right. He followed the regulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, up to you could, that you, part where it said, thou shalt not steal from your clients. Right, right. right. You know. You fo- well, that, that that is not a regulation. That is a law. Right. <laughs> um, I, I always like to make that distinction. Right. See, the law was to the lady, stop at the stop sign. Obey the rules of the road. Right. The regulation is, you know, you should signal if you make a left turn on a bike. It's <laughs> very funny. Um, so here's a, here's a, I mean, a very similar situation that I had. I mean, it just reminds me at least what you said. I was going to court one day and I got there a little bit early and the judge was finishing up. We were there for a civil docket. The judge was finishing up his criminal docket. And in particular, he was, he was sentencing people who had already been convicted. And what they do is they bring these men in the orange jumpsuits and they come in one at a time they don't all sit down in the back or anything so it's one at a time they call them out and then 
So it's only one combat. Well, they, can't, they don't want to give them material to tease each other in prison with. Right, right. right. So they, they have, you know, it's one convict talking to the judge at one time. There's a bailiff, of course. Anyway, so they go up one by one, and uh, the judge goes to the first one. He reads the paper. He says, Mr. Uh, Rodriguez, I see uh, you were Are here. you stereotyping? Well, Mr. Smith, then. There. But I do <laughs> remember it was Rodriguez, the first. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> Mr. Rodriguez, uh, I see that you were uh, convicted of... Uh, Theft uh, in the amount of uh, you know two thousand uh, dollars from uh, at gunpoint. Uh, what did you say in your in your defense? And Mr. Rodriguez said, "I'll never forget." He said, "Sir, I just want you to know that it is true the charges. Uh, I ask for the court's leniency. I do want the court to know that I have found Jesus, and uh, that man that uh, robbed that uh, store is not the man that you see before. I'm a changed man, Your Honor." And the judge looked at him, uh-huh, uh-huh. You could tell he'd heard this before. And he says, okay, 10 years. Boom. <laughs> okay, that was it. So then he goes off. Thank you, sir. <laughs> that was it. Maybe he was looking at 15. They'll serve six months, but... Yeah, know. maybe he was looking at 15 and he was happy with yeah. 10. I don't know. Uh, then the next guy comes in. They put him away. And then they, the next guy comes in. And uh, Mr. Smith. And uh, sir, Mr. Smith, I see that you were convicted of, uh, you know... Uh, involuntary manslaughter, uh, you know, such and such on a plea bargain. What do you have to say in your defense? Sir, uh, I just want you to know I found Jesus. <laughs> they all found Jesus. <laughs> and you get the story now. And and they each one, one by one, found Jesus. And, uh, and, and by the judge, Jesus, they mean Muhammad in a jailhouse. <laughs> whatever it was, they found Jesus and they expected some sort of leniency from the judge. And maybe he, maybe he was giving that to him. I didn't see it, but nevertheless, yeah. he was doing it. Finally, and this is the main point, um, after there was a sixth one that he was sentencing, the last one, and the judge looks at it and he says, uh, "Mr. Johnson," and he kind of raises his eyebrow. He goes, "Wow, you've you've been convicted of uh, multiple murders, uh, and on um, a spree, a, a spree within three weeks uh, throughout the San Diego area. Um, before I sentence you, what 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 do you have to say in your defense?" And he says, "Your Honor." I, I mean, I'm expecting the Jesus thing, right? He doesn't say that. He says, Your Honor, it's true that I killed all those people. But in delivering your sentence to me, I would like you to take in consideration all those people that I could have killed but chose not to. <laughs> and he starts pulling out a piece of paper. <laughs> and he starts reading off a list of two names of people. And the judge is like, am I actually hearing this? And the judge says, stop, Mr. Johnson, you can stop. <laughs> and he gives him just a huge amount. Obviously, this brain, this this guy's brain was not wired correctly, was not put on correctly, and wasn't thinking. But it's amazing the way that people think, and that's really kind of the what I'm trying to bring out here is the perceptions of reality that some people have. And this man obviously thought that it was meaningful that because he didn't kill people, that he exercised discretion. You understand? Right. That 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 says something good about him. <laughs> They didn't kill. Well, it does say something good about him in that right. you're not supposed to kill anyone, and those are people he didn't kill. So, but you, you, okay, you, he did what he's not supposed to do, right? Or you, you he didn't do what he's not supposed to do. You kind of imagine him in his after apartment. he did do a lot of what he wasn't supposed to do. You imagine you imagine him in his apartment late at night, and he's writing down a list of people. And on the one column it says "kill," right. <laughs> on the other column it says "don't kill." Yeah. Another column maybe think about it. You know, sleep on it. <laughs> you know, who knows what he was thinking? But there was some method to the madness, as it yeah. were. 
And I, I just, it never left me how people think. It, it, it really made it very clear. Like, like your lady on the bicycle. She thought she was, you know, totally within law because yeah. she did this, therefore she's good to go. Yeah, the, the street says, you know, yield to bikers. Bikers have all the rights they, you have. That's right. You know, oh, but the stop sign doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't you apply. Know, you. apply. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Um, At least she was on the right side of the road. You well, know? This, is, this is one of the wonderful areas uh, that I, like, I love talking about, which is perceptions of reality. And it's so important to talk about this because when we talk about people who um, know nothing about economics, know very little about politics, but in particular economics or the law, it's really fascinating to me to listen to what their perceptions of reality are. For example, uh, you can ask people point blank, um, about uh, taxes and you say are taxes a good thing or a bad thing and they'll say taxes are a good thing and then you'll say why they'll say well because it forces people to, to give their fair share of what they owe and uh, it's, it's, it's good it's, it's good for the economy really how, how is it good for the economy and they have this kind of wacky perception of how it's good for the economy. Yeah, they, they're not able to differentiate that the economy is not the government. Right. They it's can't good do for that. the government. Yeah. The, and, and these are the Why people, would it be good for the economy? Right. The economy doesn't need a government, you know? Right. <laughs> these are people that you are speaking blue in the until you're blue in the face with, and you just can't understand why they're thinking the way they are. I mean, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to quit them to the murderer that I just talked about. Yeah, we should, because they have something wired wrong they, they, and the murderer got, does. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why I, the analogy is exactly that, that there's something yeah. weird about their wiring, um, how they come to this conclusion. Because I'm, I'm actually fascinated by this. How do you come to the conclusion after decades, no, not decades, centuries of um, many data points that tell us very clearly that the more you tax businesses, the less business you get? Right. And it's as if they're they're starting this program for the first time in their lives. It's fascinating how they think that it, this has never been done yeah. before. And even if they even if they believe what they believe, let's say you would think that at some point, some point when they're sitting on a train, sitting on a bus, you know, sitting on the toilet, wherever, that they they thought, hey, you know, I wonder if there's some examples of this in history. Yeah, well, how has this happened before? And, and and how did they not see? Any government waste in their life. Nothing yeah. Yeah. ever that a government does that they perceive is ever wasteful right. at all. Right. Everything, well, if the government did, it's perfectly okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. But the welfare program, the food stamp program, those must all be working great. Right. Uh, I, I, I education, asked. of course we have to spend more money on education. Well, how much do we spend on education now? Well, uh, I don't know, but it's not enough. Right. Whatever it is, it's not enough. <laughs> right. How much do you spend on rent? That they know. Right, but if you, ask, if you ask them how much do you think would be too much to spend on as a percentage of your income, for example, because they can't, they can't really answer, and nor could I, uh, how much money should be spent on education, for example, public education, uh, per child, let's say, because that, that's maybe the easiest way of putting it. What's too much? What is too much? Is, is, is $3 billion per child too much? Presumably, they should say yes to that. Okay. How about $2 billion? Yes, still. What about one billion? Yes, still. How about a how about a million? Is that too much? Yeah, where's that middle ground? Right, what that, is it? that sweet spot, that resonant chord between one penny and eighteen billion per student? Right. Where, where's right. that perfect, you right. know, laughter curve point? They'll say, that. I don't know. You're trying to trick me or whatever. No, but I, I just want. To, is there is there a concept for you that there is some sort of ceiling above which you say, Oh, come on, that's absurd. 
Yeah. Uh, is there a point there? Do you remember when uh, Henry Waxman was on with Dennis Prager a couple years ago? Did yes. you ever hear that? Yes, I and remember. And Prager was saying, uh, Congressman, wh how much should people pay of their income right. for taxes? Is there a point? I, I can't tell you, Dennis. Right. I can't say. Why can't you say? You're in charge of this stuff. Right, right. How do you not know? Of right. Anyone on the planet yeah. should know. You are the guy. That's right. Well, I can't say. That's very scary. It's very scary. Well, you know what? I think he, he probably left that interview thinking to himself, gosh, I should have answered X, Y, or Z. Uh, you know, no, he didn't. He, he didn't. I, 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 his, his mentality was the liberal Democrat uh, West L.A. idiots who right. vote for me don't listen to that show. Well, not so. only that, but, but you're not going to stump me, Mr. Prager. And whatever you, whatever you say, I'm going to say I don't know, and there's no way how can I know, and that's a good answer for me. He thinks he thought that was a good answer. That's the that's the weird thing about that's talk about perception. Yeah, he just doesn't realize. Well, what's politicians always out. think as long as I don't answer the question, I've won. Well, here's another example of people don't realize they don't have a, a clear sense of, of perception, clear sense of reality. Uh, those people who are anti-Israel, we talked about this before. Anybody who is uh, seriously anti-Israel. I'm not talking about just critical of Israel. I understand that. It's, it's easy to be critical of any country. There's no country that's perfect. I get it. Uh, Israel's not perfect, but by golly, it's pretty damn close to more perfect than just about any other country that I can think of. <clears throat> and to, to malign Israel, to, to perceive it as the bad guy, um, is such a warped uh, uh, distortion of reality that I just I can't wrap my mind around I try to think of myself because, you know, I'm Jewish and I was born in Israel. and I, so I, I, I Oh, get, you're biased. So clearly I must have bias. I, I get yeah. that. But I, I sometimes think to myself, what if I were somebody, you know, completely detached from that and uh, let's say I was, uh, I was Korean, okay? And um, I have, uh, you know, I wasn't, I've never even been to Israel and all I know is what I see and read uh, in the media. Would my reality be... Um, um, uh, that that Israel is a bad country. Oh, the media today or the media in 1978? Either one. I mean, today uh, we're talking about today. Today you'd be anti-Israel. 1978, you might be for Israel. Well, but but I also have a mind of my own. I mean, I, I mean, there are many things, for example, that don't involve Israel that that don't involve me. For example, I, I love the Mormon Church. I, I'm not a Mormon. I I love the Christian uh, the faith. I'm very supportive of them as well. I have nothing uh, to do with to do with Christianity. But I'm, I'm a very big supporter of evangelicals in particular. I thank God that they're there. Maybe I say, maybe I say that because they're support, su supportive of Israel. I don't know. But the bottom line is I, I respect them. I really do. And uh, they are not Jewish, and I know that they respect Jews and Israel. And I like to think that if— Do you respect if, anyone who uh, isn't Jewish who doesn't respect Jews? Israel and Jews, and are, what about Jews who don't respect Israel and Jews? What's your tolerance? The, the Jews who don't who don't uh, respect Israel or castigate Judaism itself, I, I have a big pet peeve with them. In fact, I'm very hostile to them. Um, I, I think they should they should know better. They should know about their own faith, their own history, really well. I think everyone should know about their own faith, uh, their own history very well. Whether you're Chinese or Indonesian or whatever, you have a responsibility to know who you are and where you come from. Um, and, and Judaism is so rich in history and uh, the stuff that the Jews have gone through um, and to say nothing of all the, all the things that the Jews have contributed to society. I mean, I, that I would have to recognize. If I were not Jewish, I, I, I believe I would definitely recognize that. I would say, what, a, what an amazing people. I would, I would hope I would be like Mark Twain who did exactly that.
What an amazing well, people. I, and, and I think in America where we have this openness about the individual versus the group someone comes into, but as we <clears> see individuals who represent the best of a group, it elevates the whole group. There is no way... Uh, as a fan of sports, not to understand the contributions that, that black Americans have made to different in different sports, right? Or uh, uh, other groups of Americans have made to culture, or right. music, or music. food, or whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's an amazing you, thing, you know. Uh, but how rare is it that people denigrate their own culture? As yeah, it's weird. When, when they do that, it I'm doesn't not. seem to happen much with any other cultures except for Jews. It's a, it's a very, I would say that's the most embarrassing thing about my fellow Jews is that we have, I think, a uh, higher percentage. I don't know if it's significantly higher, but I, I feel we have a higher percentage of self-hating or self-castigating Jews. Um, and what, what motivates them is, a, is beyond me. Um, maybe they just resonate that they've, they've bought uh, the, the, they drank the Kool-Aid, as it were, of uh, the anti-Semitism and they just... They just can't take it anymore. Who knows? But those people are without rudders either. But but even so, I mean, even if you're not Jewish and and, and you have <clears throat> to not know that the basic facts on the ground in Israel is is itself irresponsible. But I can understand it if you just take no position on it because you simply say, you know what? I don't know enough about Israel. I don't know anything. Those people, I hope they can get along one day, and I don't know who, if, if there's anyone bad or good. I just don't know. Admit your ignorance. That's cool. I can deal with that. But it's these people that are truly ignorant who then take a position, an aggressive position, and yet a hostile It's almost position. like their, their, ratio, their um, level of ignorance is directly proportional to the ratio of wrongness on the issue. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I have a... a wealth of ignorance and thus I'm going to argue louder right as if being ignorant entitles you to the the loudness of of your voice yeah. it's, it's a weird kind of thing the dynamic is very strange but this is they are in turn just like that man who I was telling you about before who was sentenced and and he claims that he he's somehow a good guy because he didn't kill some people uh, selective people so that kind of funky behavior that kind of Lack of yeah, same as the woman on the bike. Yeah. Hey, I'm signaling. I know. I know these arm signals. This is good. Oh, I'm just gonna blow through that stop sign, right. and I know no one will run me over ever. Right, <laughs> right. And the cop pulls her over. She said, "What are you talking about? I follow the rules." Yeah, right. Uh, there was a stop sign. I'm on a bike. Right. Whatever I do, uh, you know that that that's uh, right. That, I'm like I'm a pedestrian on wheels. Right. <laughs> or something. It's like those children's games, right, where you. You have all sorts of fancy rules like, well, you're running away, you're the boogeyman, but if you touch this, then you're not the boogeyman anymore. It's like a Pac-Man defense. It's, it's weird. The, the, the whole rationality that they have, they, they create a rationality for themselves that seems to benefit them very well. The, it, it, the one thing that it has in common, all these things we're talking about, from the man who is being sentenced to the woman on the bicycle to a lot of the people. Let me guess. Godlessness and leftism. <laughs> Well, those are always the two. No, well, in a sense, yes. Because he didn't discover Jesus like the other right, people. Right. In a sense, yes, but I wasn't actually going there. I, when I say it, you'll say, okay, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, Brooke. Um, a, a utter refusal to assume responsibility. I see what you're saying, Barack. Yeah, there you go. You see? You said it. The utter refusal to accept responsibility. Whatever, whatever distorted view of reality they have somehow favors them. They, yeah. they, they never have a distorted view of reality that 
um, you know, ends up giving more credit to, to the to the other person. Yeah, the bike riding woman will never be responsible for some guy slamming on his brakes and getting rear-ended by someone else right. and having the child in the back of his car injured from the rear-ending accident right. because they had to slam on their brakes to avoid hitting you, you dummy who ran a stop sign. Right. Oh, but you signaled. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, or, you know, uh, I had somebody when I was a little boy, uh, somebody, a, a kid, a, a teenager hit us from behind. And in our car, and the boy came out of the car, and he, the first thing he said was, "Well, it was raining, and the, the the road was slick, so there, so so it's not my fault." Like, dude, what what is it about this that you think that makes you think that? It, that's what bothered me so much. I remembered as a little boy, hearing him say that, and and understanding right away that he was not accepting responsibility. That when you go out in the rain. You, 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 you don't have license to kill, as it were. And you can't just say it. I mean, everyone would take that excuse. Okay, now's my, my time to find that enemy of mine in his car, slam him, maybe even kill him, and then claim it was the rain. Right, just like the guy in, in that courtroom. Yeah. And my situation with the parking ticket, I accept full responsibility for it. I parked there. I have to pay that money. Right. Granted, it was just these messed up circumstances. Right, it's irony. Because that was a three-hour meter that just didn't allow three hours of time purchase for right. some bizarre reason. Right. And then, like I said when I told you the story, by using that meter, it made me ineligible to use any of the other meters. Right. <laughs> That's right. You know, because of that, that's the cockamamie law, really. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's it's a it's a very crazy. Uh, you know, getting people to accept responsibility is is a very daunting task, and that's what you're doing when you whenever you're you're dealing with these people, usually on the left. I have to say it, um, but I'm sure there's and godless and godless. No, but but usually the ones who when you're dealing with that frustrating sort of language, when you're you're dealing with somebody that that just can't seem to wrap his mind around your point, uh, a lot of that is simply their inability to accept responsibility one way or the other. It's it's yeah. a fascinating thing. And when, when for example, you're talking about uh, that the government should pay a lot of money or the rich people should pay a lot of money, they in in no way are they accepting responsibility themselves. They they want. The rich to people to pay their money, whoever it is to, to provide well, for more specifically richer than I am. Right, right. Provide for welfare for everyone to do this for everyone, but their part uh, that that doesn't uh, that does they have no role themselves. Right, and they will never look at themselves as rich. Right, you, you well know, they'll never. There's always the richer. Right, well they owe me money. Yeah, they owe me something. I have rights, whatever that is, and they have no obligation but to breathe. That's it, uh, and and they don't have a duty to. Make a living, to get up off of their, you know what, uh, provide for their family. No, uh, somebody else should be taking care of their kids. Somebody else should be uh, responsible for uh, making sure that uh, everything's in place. Uh, they shouldn't have to pay for parking. They shouldn't have to be paying any fees. This is this is the mentality that you're dealing with. It's a very irrational way of it, but it's a it's a distorted view of reality. Yeah, that's and that's, that's so we're incredibly self-centered. Yeah. I mean, I agree with the the parking situation. That is a no stopping zone at certain times because at rush hour they need the the, the space sure. for the collective to have room for the car. I obstructed it. Fine. Right. That's cool. Right. Yeah. You know, because I understand there are greater forces in the world than me. There are other people who need mobility and 
Right, you're, you you're know? not begrudging the fact that you, you're getting a, t- a ticket. It's just, you're just noting the irony of it. Right, all. The, the collection of events that led to that. Right, right. You know? Yeah, see, but we see you're accepting responsibility for it. You're saying yeah. whether it was my earlier parking meter that, that I somehow couldn't get to work, you would have gotten a ticket there. Either way, you knew that you were going to be responsible for right. it. Right, and I'm also noting the inherent fairness of America because, again, if this is the worst kind of Kafka-esque or Rube Goldberg-esque equation kind of thing I have to work out in order to avoid a pitfall from big government intrusion, right. I'm really lucky. Right. No one was taken to prison. No one was disappeared by the secret police. Right. No one's in a gulag here. It's, right. a, it's 95 bucks of paid on time. Right. I have a month. Right. You know, we're this is a good country. Uh, right. If this happened, if if Bicycle Girl got this ticket, and you have a right to appeal it, by the way. Right. But I don't want to take my time no, and no, no, yeah. But why, and why would you appeal it? But but right. if, you, if you were in fact wronged, if you did in fact, it and like I it, could prove it, yeah, then, you got yeah. you got a ticket, and you were not anywhere near yeah. the red zone. Okay, and in fine. fact, there are judges who are sympathetic enough that if I did tell such and such story with documentation, said, look what happened at this mirror, look. Sometimes they'll say, "Okay, we'll reduce it by half." You know, we'll be, we'll Sometimes, work yeah. with you. They, right. It's that just of a country, you know. But if this happened to self-centered bicycle girl in her signaling, oh, this would be worse than Hitler, right? You know, right? No, I, I, I it, that's that's the way they view it. But everything is about lack of responsibility at the end of the day. And I always, you know, I, I like dealing with people who. Um, and this is not the the universe of people who are responsible. I like people who who are uh, have their own businesses. Um, they and get hire it. you <laughs> for <laughs> harvest. Right. Worth over what's right. the minimum? <laughs> well, I, I suggest, this is the commercial part. So I suggested minimum is one hundred fifty thousand plus a five hundred dollar consulting hour. That's right. Twenty minutes. <laughs> no, uh, it just you know there's economics of that, but sometimes yeah. it can be lower. But anyway, the point is that. Um, and I, I forget where I was going to go with this. Shoot. Oh, uh, entrepreneurs, why I like them. Because I know that built into their very fiber, if not their fiber, then their experience is that they have to deal with uh, paying out vendors. They have to deal with employers, employees, rather. They have to manage those employees. They have to make sure that the money, the cash flow is coming in, that to pay the government. They have to follow regulations. There's a tremendous amount of work they have to do. And with that comes automatically comes responsibility. responsibility yeah. There's just no way getting around it. You cannot, you cannot say, well, I don't know the vendors because I don't feel like it. Why should I right. should be giving no, it to me for free? No entrepreneur stays an entrepreneur very long in any location right. whatsoever, any scale, without right. any responsibility right. at ever, any right, time. Right. It might be minimal. You, you, your entrepreneuring might be, I'm the, the weed dealer for my high school right. you know, gang, okay? Right. But still, you're entrepreneurial. If you don't deliver the goods or you rip someone off, you're going to get shot. That's right. You know, and that's a small scale versus, small scale. you know, yeah. getting uh, thrown in jail for being a, a Bernie Madoff type by not being right. responsible that way. Right. It, you know, at any scale, entrepreneurship immediately instills right. responsibility. There's nothing like entrepreneurship to make you understand the reality on the ground and that uh, you are – you cannot think only about yourself. You must answer to other people all the time. And uh, guess what? You know, your employees, um, they expect you to treat them very well for one thing. In fact, better than you, even even though you've maybe be thinking that you're treating them very well, um, their perception is, is, so you have to deal with people who them, in turn are, don't have a sense of reality. They think you have tons of money and you don't. <laughs> right. You have right? nobody. You have no money. <laughs> you cash know. flow issues and everything yeah. else. And you have to pay them 
uh, you know, they just want constant raises. They don't, they don't care what you're, you can show them the books and they say, well, you, I still think you're, you know, you're well able to pay me. And I, I just, I think it's very funny. There's an old movie uh, called 52 Pickup. You ever see this movie? I remember Roy Scheider, I believe. Roy Scheider and Elmo, Elmore Leonard wrote a book and it was a good book too. Uh, I never forgot uh, seeing the movie that the Roy Scheider character has to deal with these bad guys that are extorting money from him. Um, and they, I think they have his wife and basically they, they want to ransom her and they want a million dollars out of him. And Roy Scheider basically says, look, I need to meet with you. Come look at my books and you'll see I have uh, $52,000. That's why it's 52 pickup. Yeah. And, and a car he had, that's it. The car comes into play later on. But, $52,000 is all he had. Everything else was in tied away in you know, stocks and bonds that he couldn't liquidate. They were trust and everything else. And it always dawned on me that, that the, the crooks and that like, well, okay, then give us the $52,000. That's what they wanted. And they were like, okay, well, they, they saw reason there and they were willing to do that. The reality is the, cro the crooks would never do that. They would say, I don't understand this. First of all, the idea that the crooks would understand how to read the books in the first place <laughs> right. is, is laughable. It turns them into businessmen, not crooks. Right. But uh, nevertheless, say, you know, you 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 uh, you're willing suspension of disbelief and all that. And now that uh, they're willing to take it, no, that it wouldn't happen like that. They would say, "I don't. Your, your fuzzy math doesn't fool me, Mister uh, Mister Shide or whatever his name was yeah. in the movie. Uh, I want. Well, you give me a million dollars or something very close to it. Damn it! And then they or I kill your wife. And that's what they would say. And you could, again, I mean, that movie was not real and in that here, sense. And here's the other reality part in most relationships. Is that a promise? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they try to get you nailed down. Right. I know. I know that. So I just had a fight with her. You want to deal with her? Good luck. Right, right. You know? <laughs> that's right. Is that a promise? <laughs> that, that's like the movie uh, Ruthless People. Right. That's the other side of it. That Bidler, yeah. that horrible Keep wife. Her. Keep her. <laughs> that's right. And they try... They try to get rid of her. It's like they're they trying to pay her to yeah. pay him to to get to take her back. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but you get the idea that there's no people. Generally speaking, are not rational, especially desperate people. A lot of crooks are not rational. They, they themselves. That's why are, they're crooks. And they're conceited. They're so self-centered that they think. Yeah, that they, they it's not even it. about the money. It's about the crime. Right. The crime is a rush to them. Right. They don't care about the money. If it's no. a dollar versus a million, it's just they're just trying to be. You know what? Uh, ends with H O L E S right. to the person they're victimizing because they get off on being uh, one of those. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, but they're certainly not seeing reality the way that that we're talking about, and that's and, and just getting back to what we were talking about, which is yeah, everything about reality. The entre entrepreneur will see reality much quicker, and because if he doesn't, if he fails to see the reality that he owes the two hundred thousand dollars to that particular vendor, having signed a contract for that, no less. He's gonna face the reality with a, by a judge, and he's gonna get a judgment against him, and his business will soon be out of. Yeah, and unlike a criminal, it's not like you can avoid that. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, so people, they're they're distorted when when they do have distorted views of reality, that's when bad things start happening to them and to everyone around them. Uh, I had a client um, who was a very interesting client. Um, she was somebody famous. We'll just put it that way. And I noticed that she had a distorted view of reality very quickly. And she started going crazy. 
Oh, she, I'm sorry, she already was crazy. I mean, in my opinion, she started realizing I that she was crazy. I told you not, not to take the business of Sean Young. <laughs> oh, she's very, she, she was very cute, after all. <laughs> Wait a minute, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I did. No, she was not my client. Sean Young's not my client. And, I, and, and frankly, I'm a, a know, that's, that's actually, that'll probably be beyond most of the listeners' um, recollection. She right. was a crazy actress from the 1980s. Well, I, I never knew her as a crazy person. I actually liked her very much. But I'm sure she's, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Stories around Hollywood. Was anyway, it wasn't her. Yeah. Uh, this is somebody else. And what I noticed about um, this person is that she was already in, in a crazy spin mode. And that's because she was lying to herself and she had a distorted view of reality. And it starts feeding upon itself. And it's so impossible. It's, it's a slippery slope. And once you go down it, it's very hard to get back up. And it's fast, too. It's not very like, fast. It's not one of those slippery slopes where, you know, in constitutional sense, well, if you pass this in 25 years, that may happen. Right, right, yeah. It's in 10 minutes. Right. We're going. That's right. And it's, there's know. no statute of limitations on it either. It yeah. just keeps on going. Um, and it's like the, the the lie that you say, and then then you have to do a bigger lie to cover up the first lie, yeah. And and then and the bigger lie upon that, or maybe another little lie, I don't know. But it just keeps on going, and it's a web of deceit. And at, at some point, you just can't remember them all, and all you want to do is just get the f out of that situation, and, and it consumes you. And once it consumes you, uh, that's the end, because your brain, I'm convinced, is not wired for lies. We just can't do it. Yeah, and also. Uh, insanity is contagious, mm-hmm. meaning when you start getting involved in the insanity of someone spinning in the insanity right. place, you start to go crazy because now you're deciphering insanity. Right. Kind of like those guys who get into relationships where the woman is constantly lying to them. They wind up going crazy right. from it or oh, vice it's, versa. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous place to be. What do they call it? Gaslighting, I think, for that. Yeah, for the movie, movie Gaslight. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's dangerous, um, and you, you'll get sucked down that hole. But again, the one thing it has in common is that such people, whether they're lying in a web of deceit like we just talked about or otherwise, they all interpret the world in a way that favors them. Yeah. It, it, incredible. Are they sociopaths? Is that, is that uh, what sociopaths uh, they, they can become mean? a sociopath, um, and I'm not a psychologist, but they... A, a sociopath is not necessarily somebody who lies, I mean, all the time. It's but isn't a, someone who's emotional state at the moment is true to them, even if it's incompatible logically with the emotional state they're going to be in in 10 minutes. That may be. I don't know. I don't know. And and frankly, I don't care. But something like that, which explains why they'll say one thing right now, which is a lie, then 10 minutes, a completely contradictory lie. But to them, they pass a polygraph. They they have no idea they're lying. Maybe. I I just don't know enough. And I don't care. It's like... like, uh, I saw the movie 2016 by, by, by Obama. We don't have to drill down on it, but they're trying to understand the roots of Obama's uh, rage. You know, his rage. And, you know, it's interesting from an academic point of view, no doubt. But frankly, I don't care. All I care is that I've got this guy in the, in the White House that, in my, my viewpoint, is yes. hurting my country. Yeah, screwing everything up. And, 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 doesn't, doesn't, and doesn't understand reality. Now, how we got there in terms of... Uh, of, of you know his experience in Indonesia and in Hawaii and a white mother and a white black father and the father and the, and, and the and secrets of my father or whatever the, the, the book is called I don't give a crap all, all I know is that this guy is doing bad stuff to my country kind of like Darth Vader when when you first saw Darth Vader yeah that's why those first three episodes were so screwed up we don't care we don't care all, fir- all we want to know is he's the greatest villain ever right and he's bad yeah and 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 why he's bad is another thing but. But Star Wars, the original Star Wars, which is episode four, I guess, the New Hope or whatever, uh, the first thing you see 
is uh, a battle coming in, and you see Darth Vader, you know, invading the good guy ship. And all you know is this guy's bad. You don't want to ask him, how did he get this way? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? I mean, but, and that really shows you the shift in America back in 1977. No one cared about psychoanalyzing no, yeah. the path that led Darth Vader to victimhood. It's He's a, you know what, H-O-L-E-S. Right. And, uh... Beat him, kill right, him, right. destroy yeah, him. Yeah, you can't, you can't get into that. <laughs> you, you know, we don't, we don't care about how he wound up this way. How his father didn't love his mother. Da, 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 right. You know, just you yeah. can't hesitate on these things, yeah. and you have to know evil for what it is. And that's why, in a sense, I, I, I dealt with the, the twenty six. I'm glad the movie was out there. Some people are genuinely. Interested. It was interesting. I, I saw it too. That's I saw all. too. But the reality was, here we are. What, however, guy, this guy got this way. That's. That's not really our problem. We're just dealing with the problem right now. Yeah. And uh, likewise, uh, you know, when you talk about the word so- sociopath, like what are sociopath, you know, and that's why I said I don't care. I didn't mean to to, 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 no, to I finish you, what your point is. But yeah. my point is I just – because I don't live a sociopath life. No. I, I just know that I don't like liars and, and they will continue to lie and they will put themselves in a spin. And guess what? Whatever interpretation they have, it ain't an interpretation that will favor me. Right. Um, so I don't want to deal with them. I'm, I'm lucky that way. I don't deal with liars and I don't deal with drunks. I don't, I don't have too many drunks surrounding me because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with them. Honestly, I don't know what to do. So I just, I tend not to have alcoholic friends. Just don't. I, I, I wish them the best, but I'll find if, if I notice that they're alcoholics, I find that I don't hang around with them very often, very quickly. Yeah. That's it. So, and liars are the same way. They, they have a distorted view it's of reality. A, yeah, that's a complete I think, waste of time. And and yeah. people who accept no responsibility for anything are, again, people with, uh, who are a waste of time. Now, you said something very interesting about the, the things about entrepreneurs, and it led me to two things that I want to ask you about. The first is, hey, you're talking about how an entrepreneur, because they're responsible, is responsible to other people. So maybe you could explain uh, why that is responsible to other people in an individual sense within society and not a collective sense. You know how so often yeah. uh, leftists, the godless, the irresponsible, will try to impose a collective worldview upon every issue. Right. And they'll say things like, well, you have to think globally and act locally. Yes, we need you to be a responsible businessman. Right, and, whatever that means. Whatever the hell that propaganda means. But right. he, what you outlined is is the responsibility of a businessman to come through with his commitments to others, but not to the collective mass right. of people uninvolved with them. Right. Yeah, they 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 won't uh, they won't ever acknowledge the the tremendous amount of responsibility that an entrepreneur has. Uh, for example, just in my law firm alone, we have what uh, eight employees. I have, I have I have eight employees. I'm you're uh, responsible I'm for responsible. making payroll. Every so many days right. to eight people. Right. And they are counting on me. Each one of those people are either feeding their families or feeding themselves, and they're counting on that paycheck, and I know that they are. Yeah, they're trusting that that paycheck will be there by doing that work for you each right. and every day. That's right. And, and they, they know, and I've told them all, each specifically, if you don't get on the 15th and the 30th, you will, uh, on the first of every month, uh, you will get an apology from me the next day because that ain't right. And I don't want you ever wondering whether you're going to get paid. You should never have to worry about that. Uh, that's the deal I have with them, and that's the deal I have with God and everything else. And it's also my sense of responsibility. Yeah, but it's not collectivism. No, that is no, no, absolutely right, right. Yeah, because you're talking about social justice versus right. justice, which is speaking. so often what what people on the left misinterpret 
yeah. what you just outlined as a structure is. Right. It's actually the opposite. Is it, it's all about individuals. I'm. I, I, I see my. If if you know if I could draw it, it would be like, uh, you know, there's a dot representing me, and I've got lines going out from me to uh, my my assistant. Uh, we'll call him John, and then uh, another line going out to another. Um, uh, father, my father clerk, we'll call him David, and so on down the line. And, and these are lines uh, representing responsibilities and obligations. Well, you know, if they quit or if I have to fire them, then we cut that line, of course, and then we're not, that line doesn't exist anymore. But the line is there, and I, I, there's a reciprocal obligation. I, I, I pay the money, they give me services, one way or the other. And I, and I, I have to honor that as well. And the minute they don't give me services, I cut the line. Or vice versa, if I don't pay them, they would cut the they would cut the line. Uh, but I also owe them an obligation to give them a, a reasonably pleasant working environment. For example, there's a lot of responsibilities about this. Uh, I yeah, owe, and the and the collect those who argue for collectivism yeah. will will create a false world that the the relationship to, yeah. that you have with them is somehow um, contentious or or negative. It, it's always going to be contentious. You want for your money to get value, like anything else. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's an unpleasant relationship or that the uh, the working conditions are inordinately poor, like a, a coal mine in the Congo or something, right, you know, right. with uh, taskmasters whipping them. Right. Well, that's yeah. exactly right. I, I, the character image of the uh, evil businessman abusing the well, slave these labor. Are the, these are the perceptions that we're talking about. It actually goes full circle right now, what you just said. Is that the perception of people about business is the richer you are, the richer you are, it's because the more corrupt you've become, right? Right. Uh, and then you have plenty of money to throw around, but you're hoarding it for yourself. Yeah, the more you've siphoned away from the mass. Right, right. And it's a zero sum game. Right. The, which means the pie is finite. Right. There's only this much money and value in the world, and you've taken some of it yes, out. Yes, yes. That's exactly what and you're doing. And thus you're obligated to put something back in. Right, yeah. yeah. That's right. And, and the funny thing is, from a religious point of view, you are obligated, but not for the reasons that the left would, would demand. Uh, the left will mandate you to put it back in. Uh, the, the, the church or the synagogue will, will say, this is what God expects of you. Yeah, it's your, your free choices. choice. Your free choice. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you'll, you'll factor things in their ways, but you know what the answer is. And it, there's no mandate on that. It's very offensive uh, to, to think otherwise. Look. This has been a very interesting thing. Well, I yeah. want to wrap it up. Yes, okay. And wrapping it up by, by talking about responsibility at the end of the day. Um, when you see somebody that is not accepting responsibility. Um, Run them over. They, they just <laughs> that's right. That's, right. No. Uh, that's not quite the message. Oh, whoops. Sorry. That was a different message. That's a different podcast. Um, no. When you see somebody who is not willing to accept responsibility, run away. Um, you're going to see a person that eventually is going to go crazy himself. At some point, or herself, or herself, those women out there, they're going to go crazy at some point because not having responsibility is the surest way of uh, focus. You know, creating a world of distorted reality. It's a very dangerous place. You don't want to go there. So, the more responsibility you accept in your life, the happier you will be, uh, the more productive you will be, and probably the more uh, wealthy you'll be at the end of the day. Anyway, this has been. Barack Lurie at the Lurie Law Podcast with, uh, as I mentioned, the indefatigable and very enjoyable Ari David. And effervescent. <laughs> now get that phone. It's a client. <laughs>